Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. Today's show is an interview with Jose Panero, a Fortune 100 business coach, speaker, author, podcast host, and founder of Latino Leadership Performance. Jose has a background in diversity and inclusion, and on today's show, we talk about why it matters that Latinos and other underrepresented minorities are leaving corporate America in droves. It's National Latino Heritage Month here in the United States, and we want work to be better for everybody. So sit tight, and I'll be right back with more Jose Pinero, and let's fix work. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. And now with the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, friends, Lori Rudiman here, and welcome to another edition of Let's Fix Work. I've got a great guest for you today. His name is Jose Pinero. And Jose, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so glad you're here. And listen, before we get started, why don't you tell everybody who you are and just very briefly what company you work for and what you're all about? Yes, thank you so much. So yeah, my name is Jose Piñero. I am a business coach, mostly to professionals in Fortune 100 companies. And my mission in life is very simple, is help you know, women and minorities become more empowered and successful. We do that through a variety of programs and efforts that, that we conduct. I spent over 20 years in corporate America, first at Procter & Gamble, then I spent 18 years at Microsoft, where I led a variety of marketing and strategy initiatives. But I also spent about five years leading diversity and multicultural marketing. And that's like when I really connected with the needs of minority groups, including women, people of color, people of different backgrounds. And that really sparked a lot of you know interest in my part. And at some point, I kind of connected the dots of who I am. I am, of course, Latino. I care a lot about you know what's happening you know to people from you know underrepresented groups. So a few years ago I decided to just focus mostly on this. And my goal in life is to bring information that hopefully will help women and minorities just become more empowered and successful. I'm on a quest to achieve that. Oh, you know, it's a noble quest. A lot of people are just on a quest to like lose five pounds or (laughs) buy a new car, but you've got something a little bit loftier. And I'm so glad you're on the show today because the central premise of this podcast is that work is broken and that we fix work by fixing ourselves, by prioritizing our values, our needs. But I wonder if you agree with that. Do you think work needs to be fixed? Yes, I do. I think that, you know, there's so much that needs to be done to improve work. You know, we're all human beings. We're all here, you know, on this planet trying to lead, you know, and have a good life to do something of value, to provide impact. While at the same time, be happy and, you know, be fulfilled, be satisfied, you know, be around those people we love, etc. So I think it's really hard for people in this world, in this day and age, because, they have to show up to a job. They have to show up to some, you know, to some work environment. And sometimes people feel that they cannot be themselves or they don't feel welcome. They don't feel that they fit in. And you and I know this. If you're not happy with your work life, that's going to spill over into your personal life. And I think there's so much that can be done both on the side of the employers and also on the side of the actual workers themselves to make things better. 
And that's basically a lot of the work we're doing. And I can tell you more about that in, in a couple of minutes. Well, you know, you and I connected because I read an article that you wrote on a website called TLNT, and you wrote that Latinos are leaving corporate America in droves. And it really resonated with me because also women of my age, I'm 43 years old, are also leaving corporate America in droves. And it made me think, everybody wants to leave corporate America in droves. But why does it particularly matter that Latinos are leaving? They're opting out. I'm focusing on Latinos because, you know, I have spent a lot of time in that area, but I agree with you. This applies to women and it applies to other underrepresented groups. So there's a variety of reasons why we see Latinos leaving corporate America. And the statistics are there, you know, companies have released their diversity reports and you can see that consistently. So there are a few factors. One of them, it's the lack of role models at high levels. So when people like you and me, you know, corporate America, and we look up at some point, we realize There's nobody that looks or behaves like me up there. So is this the right place for me? So lack of role models has a huge impact. That's number one. Number two, the lack of sponsorships or mentors. And, you know, it's proven over and over again. The idea of the lone champion, it's a myth. Nobody gets to a higher level. Nobody succeeds by himself or herself. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs somebody to show them the ropes. Everybody needs somebody that can provide advice. So especially because some of us, you know, don't have the, either the background or the history, we don't make those connections. You end up not having a sponsor or not having a mentorship. It's consistent also that people like Latinos don't have coaching. They don't receive additional support. So if you don't have all those things, at some point when you face some challenges, you may decide, hey, this is not working out. I'm stepping out. And the same thing happens to women and uh, other you know, people from other groups. It's very consistent. So that's the second reason, lack of sponsorships and mentors. Then the third reason, which I think is also really important to change quickly, is that typically the managers don't have a great understanding of you as an employee. So what I mean by that is as follows. If, for example, a manager, in this case of a Latino employee, that manager doesn't know a little bit of background on how Latino people think and their values, how they think about life, how they work, there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding gets reflected in performance evaluations and in miscommunication. So we do a lot of work to bridge that. So, and then on top of that, you know, there are some cultural biases. Sometimes we bring things to work and we don't even realize that we have them or we don't understand how other people may perceive them. And we call those cultural blind spots. So we do a lot of work to bridge those things and and bring them to the center and help people understand what they need, what kind of sponsorship, what kind of mentorship, educating managers to help them figure out how to best work with people who are different from them. Can you give me an example of a cultural blind spot? Because I'm fascinated by that. And I think um, that's probably very common, whether you're Latino or African-American or Eastern European, right? Or Or women, right? Yeah. 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 So what's a cultural blind spot? So let me give you an example. One is around communication style. So for example, Latino culture is rich in stories, details, drama. And I'm smiling as I say this, but it's true. That's part of who we are. You ask somebody, hey, how was your day? You're going to get a pretty long answer. (laughs) So for example, a Latino employee shows up on Monday morning to a corporate work environment. His or her manager says, hey, Jose, how's project X going? 
And if I start by saying, let me tell you, first of all, there are so many challenges. I talked to this person in this department. He didn't want to help. Then I went to this other person. Then I was able to negotiate this with somebody else. And they complained, but they told me that they would do it. I'm not sure it will happen. So then here's how we were thinking about it. So by that time, the manager has completely lost interest. What the manager wow. wanted to hear was, it's going great. The project is right now on time and it's 4% above the, met, the success metric. End of the answer. Yeah. You know what? Human beings don't tell stories that way. Yeah. Exactly. But those are completely opposite sides of the spectrum. And what we want is we want to bridge and bring them together. So the Latino employee can be more direct and concise with his or her answer. And we also want to educate the manager to show, hey, you have to, it's better if you show some EQ, some emotional quotient, and, you know, ask a little bit more, like show more interest in the person, not just the project. And then we bring those two people together. There's better understanding and we avoid some of the conflicts that arise. So, for example, in that case, a manager, you know, later could say, well, Jose, he's good, but he rambles too much or he doesn't get to the point. And by the way, we, have, we can say the same thing about, about other groups. That's an example that happens often and often again. So things like that, that we don't know we carry that. We also hear a lot of feedback. Another example, you know, the Monday morning greeting. I coach Latinos in top companies and I hear this consistently. My manager doesn't show a personal interest in me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a complaint all over, yeah. When I show up Monday morning, they go straight and ask me about, you know, about work. They don't even ask me how my weekend was, how's my family, my spouse, my children. So again, those are people want to show up as authentic and as their complete self to work. So we have to help also companies understand here's what you need to do to make that better. And, you know, Gallup has a research showing that the satisfaction of an employee 70% correlated to their manager. That's right. That's so right. So if the manager is it's not having great communication, is not connecting both in an intellectual and emotional level with the employee, there's no real satisfaction. Well, that's really great work that you're doing. And it's clear that you've been involved with diversity and multicultural corporate strategies throughout your career. I can hear it in some of the examples that you've given. How did you fix work when you were at Procter & Gamble and P&G, if you even did? Did you have any success there, early success in your career journey? And, you know, what kind of success are you having right now? Yeah. So I wish I could tell you that I fixed things or improved things <laughs> at, at Procter yeah. & Gamble, but I was pretty junior and I tried to make some changes. Actually, I have to say this. I tried to bring Casual Friday to the Procter & Gamble subsidiary in the Caribbean. So basically, how'd you do? No, I did not succeed. <laughs> <laughs> I left. I made the pitch, gave the rationale, did the one page memo, tried to convince people. They were really concerned about the impact on culture. So they mm. didn't do it. And then when I quit, you know, to go to Microsoft, the head of the entire operation, his question to me was, but what about Casual Friday? And I'm like, <laughs> it's too late. I'm already moving on. Hilarious. Hilarious. At Microsoft, I'm very proud of the work I did with diversity and multicultural marketing. You know, frankly, it wasn't enough because it's not enough yet, but I was able to move, you know, the needle and to have some impact, especially helping the company connect 
with underrepresented communities. So I feel really great about the work we did with the African-American community, with the Latino community, with women's efforts. And really, you know, when you get a giant organization and you help just change a few degrees to the right or to the left, the impact is huge. So I was able to bring to the table, not only, you know, hear the concerns of what's happening out there, here's what the company can do to make that better and how you should value to partner communities. So I'm very proud of that work. And then I was also very proud of the fact that I got the company, as, when I started, there were about three groups doing diversity or multicultural marketing. And when I ended my tenure in that role, it went the number one from three groups to 18. Wow, that's excellent. So we got a lot of groups to efforts to address the needs of these communities. So I'm very happy about Can that. Can I ask a question? Multicultural yeah. marketing is just yeah. marketing trying to get underrepresented minorities to buy stuff, right? Is that what that is? That's part of it. The other part is... <laughs> All right. But the other part is showing up and be present, showing support for those communities. Oh, all right. So actually being a member, an active member in that community? Yeah, it's called citizenship. So it's how, do you, how does a company show up as a responsible corporate citizen doing the right thing? You know, I'm so cynical that I always think that when companies show up, first of all, they should show up. That's part of their obligation. They get our tax dollars. You know, they've had tax cuts. They're a part of the community. But also, I'm not going to pat anybody on the back because they're active in the community where they're trying to sell products into. So can you understand my cynicism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's both things are important. You know, yeah, all, all, all organizations have to fulfill their goals, either like, you know, if it's a nonprofit, raise funds and, you know, fulfill their mission and deliver goods or services. If it's a, a for-profit company, sell goods or services. That's fine. I believe that's good, but you also have a responsibility because yeah, you're a powerful yeah. entity and what you say and do and how you show up affects people's lives. So I want to pat Microsoft on the back for having, you know, 18 new divisions that focused on, you know, uh, groups. Yeah. yeah, right. But I also want to say that's not enough and you're falling I behind, agree. right? Yeah. I okay, agree. good. Right, right. Okay, perfect. It's not enough. It's not enough. And, you know, you know, the reason why people are leaving corporate jobs and why so many people dream of becoming entrepreneurs after a corporate life, it's because people think, wow, I think there's something better out there or I'm having to sacrifice part of who I am to show up and to do well in this corporate role. That's why I think we need to make changes. We need to make changes on the side of the managers and the companies, and they need to develop more EQ. They need to you know, gain more understanding because then they will become better options for people. And at the same time, we also have to work on the employee side and help people you know, become more aware of who they are. And a lot of the work we do starts with even identifying values, like who are you? What do you care about? What brings you happiness? And then who's your true self and how can you show up at work and find a good area where you can do the best work and at the same time be the best version of yourself? But all these things require works from both sides to come together. Yeah, well, that's absolutely important. And I wonder, how do you know that you're helping a company or an individual understand and encourage Latino performance or Latino issues? Yeah. And what does a successful outcome from an engagement look like for you? Yeah, so there are some success metrics. You know, one of the things that I think is critical for big initiatives, you have to have real clear success definitions and metrics. I prefer to overinvest time agreeing on goals and metrics in the beginning so that then you don't do all the work and then people are arguing, well, did it make a difference? Did you move the needle? You know, I don't want to have the discussion three to six months later. I want to have the discussion at the beginning 
So you and I can agree on exactly how do we, what are the goals, how do we define success? And then if I hit the metric, either if I hit that number or that, you know, number of outcomes, then I don't want to argue with you about whether we were successful at that point. Absolutely. So any examples, any examples of those goals? Because it's one thing to say, you know, I'm working towards informing and educating the workforce and management, but that's not really a hard number. But on the other hand, I can imagine that you don't believe in like a quota system. Like I want to hire three more Latino people and, you know, that's not what this is all about. So what, how do you define success? So for a lot of companies, it's either through employee satisfaction based on their own, you know, their own metrics. And or the other one that I think is critical is retention numbers. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because ultimately, if people vote with their feet and with their actions, if they're happy, they stay. If they're unhappy, they leave. So a lot of the work we do ultimately accrues to company retention metrics. So I think that's the best quantitative metric. The best qualitative metric is the feedback from the people we coach. Like I'll tell you, people come and we get this consistently and it's like, it makes our days because people tell you like things like, I wish somebody had told me this 10 years ago. Some people say, Whoa, like now I finally understand how my manager thinks and what happens when X thing goes on. Some other people say, Hey, I wouldn't have landed the job if it had not been for your team's support. So those are, you know, gold for us. And, you know, we get this consistently and just you hear it and you see it in people's faces and voices when they have the aha moment, when suddenly they go like, wow, I never thought of it that way. So I'll give you an example. Of course, we get a lot of, you know, stories of, hey, you know, I'm working for somebody, he or she is not a subject matter expert as myself. I know more than my boss or like my manager is junior and, you know, I feel X, Y, or Z. And we tell them, hey, let's do this mental exercise. Right now, you're talking to your manager and you're sitting across the table. Get up from the place you are. Get up, walk around the table, and sit next to your manager. And focus on how can you make your manager more successful. I like it. I like it a lot. Start with that. Yeah. Because then it's not an adversarial relationship. It's like we're partnering, we're collaborating. And of course, you know, you have to have clarity of your own goals. You know, you have to deliver on the metrics that you define. We coach people to be very clear on negotiating those things up front. But then if you are helping your manager become more successful, then your career is going to advance. The other thing that it's, you know, we say this, several times per week is if you are not marketing your accomplishments to your manager's manager, you're not really successfully managing your career. Because the last thing you want at performance review time is for your manager to go to the review and say, hey, you know, I think, you know, here's, let's talk about Lori. I think Lori's great. She, and, and then have your manager's manager say, wait, 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 who's Lori? Or like, <laughs> What is Lori working on? That's the last <laughs> thing you want in that moment. No, abs- absolutely. Guess yes. what? If your manager's manager thinks Lori's great, the moment the review starts, you know, your manager says, okay, now let's talk about Lori. Your manager's manager says, Lori's fantastic. I love that she led the X, Y, and Z project. She's awesome. What do you think your manager is going to say after that? Yeah, it's going to be all fabulous after <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but I know and some of these things are so obvious, but... No? Be- no, but we don't but, do them in corporate. But we don't America. do them. We don't yeah. do them. And and also like the Latino culture is very family and collective oriented. 
of course, I'm generalizing. We tend to think that if we're good and we do the right thing, that we will be rewarded. And we for, and people don't know or they forget that, no, you have to market yourself and your accomplishments in a tasteful, nice way consistently. That's the way it works. You know, ideally, it's a meritocracy. So you're supposed to be telling people, hey, I'm Lori. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how am I have driving positive impact. Otherwise, they're going to think of somebody else before. So those are just examples of things that we coach people on a consistent basis. And the responses from our coaches is just, you know, you know, heartwarming because you really feel great that you are really helping them see things in a different light. Well, Jose, in the second half of the show, we are going to talk about who's getting work right in corporate America and the global corporate environment. And what about work surprises you in 2018? And finally, we're going to wrap up by asking you a question about how you know you're making a difference. So everybody sit right there. We'll be right back with Jose Pinero and more of Let's Fix Work. Hey, everybody. Did you know that employees are stressed because of financial issues? Of course you do. You might even be stressed. Well, Let's Fix Work is proud to sponsor the Financial Wellness Telesummit for Human Resources Professionals. It's on October 16th through 18th, 2018 at 11 a.m. each day. You can head over to pocketofmoney.com forward slash FW Summit to learn more. At the summit, HR professionals will learn about financial wellness programs and activities that alleviate the negative effects of financial stress on employees and businesses. Each day of the summit, attendees will watch a presentation on a topic related to employee financial wellness. And guess what? You can do it from the comfort of your own desk. So head on over to pocketofmoney.com forward slash FW Summit and sign up today. That's pocketofmoney.com forward slash FW Summit for more information on the financial wellness telesummit for HR professionals. Hey friends, welcome back. This is Lori Rudiman here with Let's Fix Work. And my guest today is Jose Pinero. Jose, how are you doing? Did you enjoy the first half? Yeah, you're fantastic. Thank you. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Well, you know, I'm still very new in my podcast journey and I have the luxury of seeing your video set up and you are a podcasting expert. I can see this. So do you Thank have any you. advice or tips for me as a new podcaster? I think you're doing great. Like, you're awesome. I think that you're an expert in the topic. You have amazing energy. So I love what you're doing. I cannot tell you anything that you can improve right now. Oh, well, you're so kind to say that. And you get 50 bucks later. So thank you. Thank yes, you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, listen, before the break, we were talking a little bit about what you do and how you make a difference. And sometimes it's easy to get caught in the weeds and talk about what's going wrong in the world. But I want to know what's going right. Where is work going right? What do you like? What do you see? And are you optimistic? Number one, I am optimistic. I am a glass half full kind of person. And I think that people can do better and that people want to do better. And I'll say the same thing about companies. Companies want to do better. It's not for lack of trying. It's for, you know, the challenges. You know, com- you know human beings were complicated. And when you put a lot of us together in, in an organization, the complexity just, you know, balloons and just grows exponentially. So we have to work hard at making things better for the employees. If companies do that, they're going to end up getting better outcomes and better results and better performance from the employees. So I am optimistic. In terms of what's happening out there and who's getting it right, first of all, I have to say that a lot of companies are trying. So kudos to companies for yeah, trying. Yeah, that's great news. I'm yeah. surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, a lot of companies are I'm trying. I'm in my cave and I think like everybody's getting it wrong. 
Yeah, but it's challenging. I would say one company that comes to mind that I think they're doing a great job with the employee experience is Facebook. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, Facebook, I have talked to them and I have done work with them and they have a very interesting and unique view. I would say more forward-looking than other companies. But what I like about them is that they believe in development and more than that, in coaching for everybody. So they think that every single deserves to be coached. And when I heard that, I was very surprised and a little bit skeptical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a skeptical person. So I am one of those people that say, well, I hear you. Let's see what, you know, actions speak louder than words. Let's see what you do. And what I have seen with Facebook is that, yeah, they really believe in developing all their employees and that they really, really like look for things that they can bring to the table to make the employee experience better. And their attitude and their energy supports that. And that's where I go, okay, great. They're really thinking about this and they're actually, you know, doing the work. So it's a very refreshing and a very progressive outlook on the employee relationship. So I think more companies would be more like that. If I'm not Facebook, if I run a chain of grocery stores or if I have a couple Mm -hmm. dry cleaners, I can't necessarily afford to coach every employee like Facebook. But are there lessons from Facebook and what Facebook is doing that I can apply to my business today? Yeah. So a few things. So one, every employee deserves to be coached or to be developed. Just start with that principle. Number two, have people show with their complete or authentic self. Like don't ask people to be different from who they are. And third, invest in activities that consistently send signals to the employees showing that you care. And it could be little details. If you're a small business, yeah, you don't have the budget to do professional coaching for all these people, but hey, you can have consistent one-on-one with employees. You know, you can have your, you know, here's the open forum for people to talk and, you know, have an open dialogue and ask for feedback and take feedback and act upon it. Because those things send signals that are more powerful than something expensive. So there are things you can do. And it's all about the, also the attitude. They treat their employees as really valued you know, human beings. And that shows up. That shows up consistently. So even if you're a small business, there's so many things you can do. Yeah, the other thing that I want to mention is that I agree, like not all companies and not all people can afford one-on-one coaching. But companies like mine, we're we're investing in creating systems where a lot of people can get either group coaching or group lessons for really, really low prices. And I think the answer is through technology, through webinars and things like that. So I want to plant that seed because that's part of the future of leadership development. Yeah, very few people can pay more than $100 per hour for somebody like me to coach them. I get that. But somebody can spend nine ninety nine and become part of some coaching circle and get a lot of lessons, get a lot of advice, and have the opportunity to also ask questions in a live Q and A environment. So that's the, where I see the future of coaching and leadership development, and I think that's going to become huge in the next few years. Well, that's really interesting, and it leads me to want to learn a little bit more about your business model. So, is yeah. that what your organization does? You mentioned that you do coaching, but beyond yeah. traditional coaching from a corporate standpoint, what else do you do? 
Yeah. So a few things. So one, you know, we do the, you know, the traditional coaching at a high level where, you know, we coach employees of large corporations and that's either one-on-one or group coaching sessions, depending on the, the selection. That's one. The other thing we do, we do a lot of keynotes and talks and workshops. So for example, Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up next month. I'll be speaking at four or five different companies and also doing workshops where basically we take a group of a hundred people and we bring them through an exercise and they, you know, they think about things, they talk amongst themselves and then they present results. It's super fun. On top of that, I also have, and I'm not, I feel I'm pitching, but I'll tell you, I'm launching the podcast. Yeah, I asked, right? Yeah, yeah. which is called Mucho Success. And it's about advice and success secrets for Latinos. I spent about the last two years interviewing about 25 of the most influential Latinos in the U.S. And I asked them up front, okay, what is your definition of success? What advice do you have? What do you wish somebody had told you a long time ago? All those things. And what I found was beautiful and amazing information that most people don't have access to because we rarely get a chance to sit with the CEO of a large corporation or somebody who founded a voting organization. You know. So it's beautiful information and really helpful. So I believe in sharing as much information as possible. And then the future, and we're working on this right now, it's the online seminars that are very accessible, low price, where tons of people can come in and get the information. Because I really believe that information empowers people. You know, People define their opportunities based only on what they know. If, Laurie, somebody had told you that the most you can aspire to be in this life is here, that's where you aim for. If somebody tells you, no, actually, you can be the CEO of your company and you can found things and you can, you know, you can change the world, you, know, you can bring your message to millions of people, then you aim for that. But it's all based on what you heard about yourself and the people around you. So my job in this life is to help people maybe recalibrate their dreams and set higher aims for their goals. So I think by giving information, we can help people elevate themselves. So I think that's kind of the future of leadership development. That is so well said. And I love your position statement about what you're trying to accomplish. And I love the fact that you've talked to all of these thought leaders, not just mm-hmm. in the Latino community, but in the yeah. business world and in, yes. the, in our communities yes. about what success looks like. So I wonder if you have an opinion on what the future of work looks like for men, for women, for people of color, for the LGBT community. Yeah. Did you learn anything while you were interviewing all those really awesome thought leaders? Yes, I learned way too much. I'm still putting together like the summaries of all the things. But you know, of course, putting them in a form that is easy to digest for people in a podcast and in a book. But here's what I learned. Number one, success looks different for every single person. There's no one formula for success. And it's up to each person to define what success looks like for him or her. So that's one. Second, the future of work, it's one where the line between personal life and work life has to become more blurry. People want to be, you know, they don't want to be, okay, here's the compartment that's work. And then I finish and I don't do anything at work that I like, but I get paid. And then on this side, I have my personal life, which I love. And then on Monday morning, I dread things and I have to show up to some place where I don't want to be. That's not good. I think life is too short and people need to find a way to bring, you know, themselves to work, to specifically focus on projects or tasks that allow you to bring your best qualities and to leverage them. We have an exercise that we created. It's called the ABCs of leadership. And that stands up for assets, 
blind spots and competencies. So if you understand what your assets or your strengths are, then that's great. Second, you have to identify your blind spots and learn how to manage them. Because if you're doing something that it's bothering somebody else or it's affecting your work relationship or your personal relationship, you better hear about that at some point so you can learn to manage. And once you know your strengths and your blind spots, then you can identify what are the competencies, the things that you're great at based on who you are, and then find roles or jobs or projects that allow you to leverage that. So I think that's going to be coming more together. I think work is going to become more personalized and that people are are going to get better at choosing the specific tasks they're doing. Because I heard this here all the time. People say, oh, I got a product manager or a director of marketing job. Oh, that's perfect for me or that's not perfect for me. And the questions we ask are, well, tell me about the specific tasks you will be doing every day. Because at that level of detail, you'll find out whether the job is right for you. Product manager can mean a thousand different things. That's the way it works, you know, but companies use that denomination. Yeah, it's just a big catch-all. Yeah. So what we want to do, I think work will become more personal. And we want people to find things that better fit who they are in a more direct way. And then we can talk about other stuff like what's happening with AI and automation. And some of that stuff scary. Some of that stuff, it's, you know, exciting. But ultimately, I think that people need to either find ways to ride the technology wave, to do things that enhance or take advantage of AI, automation, more technology coming in, or go exactly the opposite direction, which is focus on human and mental services and the careers that no robot can ever replace a human being. (laughs) That's a different conversation and that can take a long time. Absolutely. I love what you mentioned about going the other way away from the robots. I'm just afraid that the robots don't care about anybody and they care least among us of people who are brown or black or gay or queer. So I'm a little bit worried and I would love, in fact, I'm going to listen to your podcast to see if any experts have any insights on that because I think there's definitely challenges for minority communities with emerging technology. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's why it's so important for us to fight for the rights and to put all those issues, put a spotlight on these issues so we start fixing them from a human perspective now. Love it. Well said. Well, listen, as we wrap up this segment, I want to know how you know that you're doing good work in this world. How do you feel fulfilled and how do you know it was the right decision to leave corporate America and do what you're doing today? Yeah. So I think I am very lucky because I get vocal, consistent feedback from a lot of people. So I am very lucky. I hear from the people that we coach, from the people that we work with, from people that we develop, and they give a lot of positive feedback. And you hear it in their voices. And, you know, I get it several times per week at least, so which is fantastic. So I know that tells me that what I'm doing has an impact. Also, you know, I hear stuff through social media, people giving feedback on some of the work we put out there, etc. But ultimately... There are many times where, you know, or moments or, or time periods where you don't hear positive feedback and you have to trust your internal compass, you know, and to me, the work I'm doing, of course, I want to make money. Of course, I want to, you know, have, you know, a nice life and all that. But ultimately, it's kind of a life mission. And I'll tell you, like one time I had a dream that I was, I used to fly a lot for work, you know, business travel, that the plane was going down. And as I was going down, my regret was, oh, I didn't put the podcast and this information and the book out and all these things. That was my regret in the dream. And, you know, I have kids and loved ones and all that. So I'm like 
all the other stuff is in a good place. This is a part of my life that I feel I, I kind of put off. So now that I'm doing it, I feel great about that. So mm -hmm. it's very mission-based and I do get a lot of positive feedback. But even if I didn't get positive feedback, even if people, you know, don't pay for some of the work we do, whatever, it's fine because I really believe this work needs to be done. And again, this is very aligned with who I am. And this really feels very centered for me. Well, you're not the first frequent business traveler to tell me that he's had a nightmare about going down in a plane. Yes. <laughs> That's a very, <laughs> a very common dream that we all yes. have. But oh yes. my goodness, I'm so glad that your uh, life's purpose and mission and work are in alignment. And yes. It was so interesting how you said it's okay that I don't get paid at times for some of the work I do because yeah. I know it's the right work. I think yeah. that's such an important message. If yeah. you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to know that in your heart. Absolutely, absolutely. If you're an entrepreneur, which I encourage most people to do it, make sure that what you're doing is aligned with who you are, what you love doing, what brings value and benefit to other people. Because if those things are in alignment, you're going to have the fuel to keep going. Because, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's very challenging. It's not for everybody and it takes a lot of hard work. And, you know, I'm here talking to you and I'm making this sound kind of nice or easy, but it took me a long time. It took me a long time to, you know, I had some of these ideas 10 years ago and I took baby steps, but I was afraid. I was afraid of stepping out. I was afraid of what will people think. I was afraid, well, you know, I've done well. What if I fail? And you get to a point where you're like, I need to do this because it's the right thing for me. And you just then step into the unknown and, you know, face your fears and do the best you can. Well, I'm so glad you did it. Listen, a friend of mine just told me that it only takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And I think that's about right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. The overnight success is a myth. The lone champion is a myth. The, this person achieved everything because he or she like went alone to the top of the mountain. That's all a myth. Those are stories. Those are stories. The truth is that the person who became successful yesterday probably worked five years or 10 years and, you know, and kept going, kept going, kept going. The lone champion had mentors and helpers and sponsors and partners. You know, some of the most successful people out there, they had partners. Bill Gates had Paul Allen, you know, uh, you know. Right now, a lot of people are thinking about Jeff Bezos. He's surrounded by an amazing team of people who are incredibly smart. You need to do that. I know so many people that have tried to go at it alone. They don't achieve enough critical mass. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, Jose, it's been a real joy to get to know you and your story. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing it. Where can our listeners find you and what's important for them to see on the yeah. internet? Yeah. So first thing, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at Jose Pinero one. So go to Instagram, Jose Pinero one and follow me. I post things related to my vision for work, helping others, you know, minority communities, etc. And also some fun stuff about myself. That's one. Second, watch out for my upcoming podcast called Mucho Success. It should be out by the third week of September, 2018. And we're launching with about four or five chapters. We have 15 already in production. So we're very excited. And those are fascinating and inspiring stories. I was talking to some of these people and I couldn't believe the information they were sharing with me. And then last, the website for my company, it's www.thecultivationcompany.com. And it's all about empowering women and minorities. So that's it. It has been a pleasure talking to you. We can talk for hours. So at some point, let me know. I'll be super happy to come back and talk more about all these topics.
I would love it. I'm looking forward to your podcast and we'll include all of that information in the show notes and everybody sit right back. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Hey everybody, it's Lori Rudiman here. You know, I'm all in on the Let's Fix Work podcast. I want to deprioritize corporate interests, amplify good ideas and help people fix work by fixing themselves. But I need your help. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash let's fix work and contribute to the podcast's growth. I need your help in building an infrastructure, growing the community, and making Let's Fix Work a permanent place for good ideas. Your donation is essential for the show's success, and any contribution would mean the world to me. Thank you again so much for listening to Let's Fix Work, and thanks in advance for your support. Hey, friends. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jose Pinero. He's a podcasting pro, and I hope you connect with him. Find him on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all over our show notes. Let's Fix Work is a production of One Stone Creative. Audrey Casino, Megan Doherty, and Gerson Lafleche make the show sound great. Like what you hear? Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. Now that's all for this week's show, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. Make plans to attend the free financial wellness telesummit where HR pros will discover how to alleviate the negative effects of financial stress on employees and business. Learn how to develop benefits, address employee concerns, and how to recruit top talent. It's coming up October 16th through the 18th. And to register, go to pocketofmoney.com slash FWSummit.